You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, which is brought to you by our incredible patrons. Some of them are incredible. Some of them are okay. If you want to be one of the incredible ones, you can go to pitchdrop.cash and kick in as little a dollar a month like Joe Rothenberg and Adam Studley did. Thanks for listening, I guess. Also, in this episode, content warning, suicide and self-harm. The music goes here. Yep. Asshole. You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that has one ginger lady per 666 men. This is season seven, episode four. Mm. Yeah, so is it? Uh, no, it's it episode five. It depends if you count yeah. episode so, yeah, zero no. or one. It was only one. zero one time because we forgot it. <laughs> this well, is season by the episode four. This is season, episode five, covering the Encephalon Dive slash seasonal domain in Xenosaga episode two for the PS2. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and my pronouns are he, him, and with me today is... Sybil Arnett, she, her. Ryan Beatty, they, them. Matt Marcus, he, him. Michael Mays, he, him. This game sucks. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this game. Coming out high. I specifically asked to be on the worst episode of this season. And god damn it. You got it, buddy. <laughs> oh, I really it, did. It kind of worked out the same way last time, too, actually. The Japan part of uh, yeah. Shadow Hearts 2, right? Yeah, this uh, you managed to outdo the badness of Shadow Hearts 2. Yeah, I still think the jury's out. I still think that the final dungeon of this game is worse than this one, but yeah. uh, we shall see. Fuck that. I, I think never... it's going to make everyone angrier, but I think this one is lazier. This is oh, yeah, this yeah. extremely lazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I still 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 into Xenosaga 2 right now. Uh problems with dungeon design it, uh, aside right now. Still mm-hmm. liking the combat. Mm-hmm. Mm. Last episode, everyone but me had ventured into Shimomo's shattered mind and found themselves in memories of Sakura Mizrahi and the Yuriev Institute with our party members following behind the memory ghosts of Rubido, Negredo, and Albedo as mere schoolboys. Part of why Junior is so focused on protecting Momo is that his weird anti-Udu waveform existence allows Sakura Mizrahi, who is incommodified, who cannot communicate with the real world to communicate with the non-VR world. Let's, can we uh, stop for a moment? Sorry. That was the dumbest sentence anyone has ever said. That sentence? Uh-huh. It's up there. Oh my god. We'll talk about it here in a moment. This, right at the beginning of this episode, because of what just happened and what's about to happen, is the moment I started just skipping cutscenes and felt totally fine about it. I can't wait till you hear some of what you've missed then. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm so excited. Also, Albedo left a lot and Jin was there, which everyone's excited about because we love Jin. And, yeah. and Jin's not here today. 
<laughs> I forgot Jin was in this game because I had taken so long between like the last time I played and this time. Okay, I'm like, wait so a second, aren't I missing a party member? This game is two discs long, and Jin was only a playable character in the tutorial dungeon yeah. of the first disc. To be fair, the whole disc is a single dungeon. Um, well, like, it's like two dungeons. Yeah. Don't forget, we also don't get to play with robots again until the second disc. Ah, oh, God. It's I forgot there were robots! <laughs> yeah! There's a I mean, whole other than separate Cosmos. gear and leveling system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, I haven't even wow, touched that wow. yet. Yeah, there's Momo Erasure. There's 80 hours of content <laughs> in this 30-hour game. Chris, Chris, Momo is a real girl. We know this. We know this. We've talked about this. A Realian doll. Oh. Yep. <laughs> it's it's Ziggy. Yeah. Ziggy's the one that's mostly robot. I I would I would feel worse about the way that we're very casually just like uh going, ah, it's a robot, ah, it's a doll, ah, it's a real person, if the game was more consistent about it. But like our our blase flippancy about like ah fucking sentience, no sentience, I don't know, fucking robot, human, I don't know, is because the game is also that. Like it it wants to say some shit about personhood but does not know what it wants to say about personhood momo's ever. a person except also you can turn off the part yeah. of her that's a person and now she's a regular <laughs> robot lol in 10 except, seconds i'm gonna this tell in, you uh, i was gonna say this episode she doesn't seem like she has zero personality in this part of the game either and she should she should be completely blank in 10 seconds i'm gonna tell you why they originally made momo and it's gonna be more horrifying yeah. oh just Ooh absolute dog shit shit it which you know i'm sure like yoko taro saw this shit and went ooh near um i i don't <laughs> think that xenosaga episode two was a direct influence on near but like the parallels are there it it's so weird how xenosaga 2 fucks up like the humanity of these characters like conversation after xenosaga one just a huge wet fart about it because in xenosaga one they don't even make a question about it which is very refreshing yeah totally totally it's never it it it's never about are the robots human. It's like no, of course the robots are fucking human. And the now, only person what does that who doesn't mean? think that is the villain who literally eats their bodies, right? <laughs> like the defining problem with this is that this game has no idea what its rules are, and like, like it it doesn't set out rules for anything. This entire section is just like a bunch of like, and the, it's like a child, a five year old telling a story. It's like and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And it's like okay, fine, whatever. But like, it doesn't make any sense. And then there was a lengthy eight minute cutscene yeah. where they introduced what appeared to be a threatening enemy, but it turned out to be the weakest enemy in the dungeon. <laughs> Michael, it literally is a five year old telling you things. No, this is the backstory of a bunch of children <laughs> recounting their life. <laughs> no, but this is a game that cost millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also uh, Takahashi was like, let's give the kids a chance. And the kids were like, <laughs> and then Takahashi was like, oh, shit, they erased all of my wife's work. Oh, no. And they spent all those billions of dollars on the first four hours. Yeah. Don't give the fucking kids a chance is the moral of Xenosaga episode two. And the anime. <laughs> oh, God, Don't forget the anime. the anime, which is what Ryan the- Beatty, quote, children shouldn't be allowed to vote. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what? I mean, <laughs> uh-huh, don't give the kids a chance. They shouldn't be allowed to make decisions. You can't vote till you're 40. Thanks, Ryan.
me that that is exactly what I said, Chris. It's true. Speaking of mm-hmm. being eternally 40, let's talk about some more of the flashbacks in the house. Yeah. <laughs> so, according to Sakura Mizrahi, who can communicate with Junior and only Junior, uh, Momo's existence was originally going to be even more screwed up than being the clone of a dead girl in the shape of every galactic defense robot ever. She was going to be a realian with functional nerves who could be hooked into Sakura's brain so she could experience the world through a puppet. (laughs) She's like supposed to be. It's it, it it I mean it is it's like a gestalt it it is it is uh She's the you know, like yeah it right but it's also it's a it's a it's essentially like a prosthetic body with which to uh have consciousness and communication again which is an interesting and fucked up phenomenon that could be explored for uh questions of consciousness and body horror and psychological horror yeah. that is just thrown out there and then not really commented on again. Yeah. What, why don't you just put your daughter's brain in the robot? <laughs> yeah. There's so many better ways to do this. Because <laughs> that would be less Because yeah. his daughter's brain is broken. Uh, yeah, I guess it's the brain that is the problem. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not, like, I'm getting, like, Genlock vibes from this whole thing, but Genlock actually tries to wrestle with that, even though there's only eight episodes so far. <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to come out more, R.A.P. Yeah, I don't think so either. Too expensive. Uh, voice so actors. Nice. And then, to follow this up, Junior, who is, again, eight at best, decides not to act with sympathy, but instead to try and one-up this with the line, and I quoted it directly, Yeah, I had a mom, kind of. She had a healthy ovum with a perfect set of chromosomes. This is the moment. This is the moment that I stopped watching cutscenes. That line. Well, there, there are even there there are even more uh, fucked up gender and gender essentialism and mom things that are going to happen very soon that we get to tell you about. No, 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 no. no. Mm -hmm. The problem with that line is not like that is a problem with this line. The problem with this line is that it's fucking stupid. This is the stupidest sentence I've ever heard in a video game. She had a healthy ovum with a perfect set of chromosomes. That's something a serial killer says. My dude, that is not even the funniest thing you're going to hear this time out. Yeah, absolutely not. And, like, honestly, um, it plays into the fact that Dr. Yuriev is a fucking sicko who uses his own DNA to engineer a race of psychic clones to um, destroy the anti-existence and doesn't tell any of his kids that it's also going to kill them. Those are not words Um, you just said. Those are not sentences. (laughs) They are. They're fucking words. They, they, that that makes sense. There, there, there is a sense-making at the core of this game. It's not just a bunch of nonsense. It's just that the sense-making is uh, deployed in extremely bad and dumb ways. I mm. I will I will defend the sensicalness no. if that's a fucking word of Xenosaga episode two. Yeah, no, I will do it. No. I just had a horrifying realization. This game is the Iraq War of JRPGs, and that it is a boondoggle top to bottom that no one thought through for more than five seconds, which has lasting scars on yeah. the culture. This is how they tried <laughs> once again. Yeah, these things are equivalent. This is how they tried to fix the fact <laughs> that they had a six-game series planned, and then they only got three games. And then this is the game where they tried to fix all of it. 
No, no, three this is, is the, the game, game where they tried yeah. to fix it. Yeah, this is the game that broke it. I, I feel like this, a lot of this stuff is just patching over. Like this dungeon we come to, I think is no. just, yes. There's no way a lot of this, I, I cannot fathom a world where this was intended to happen in this sequence and this pacing. Oh, this was not part of this plot. They let other writers come in and fuck around for game. Yeah, game. that that exactly. This is this is this is not the what? fixing. This is the fucking up. Yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. the, yeah, yeah. What? This is we 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 covered this in early episodes, friend. Oh, you sorry. Should be listening to the season. <laughs> I just started a new job. Give me a break. <laughs> they fired one of the two writers, and the other one was put into a advisory role that may or may not have advised. They got rubber roomed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, yeah, and it was, and, and it was the two people whose baby Xenosaga was, and whose the baby Xenogears was. Yeah, so the married couple. Here's the incredible thing: the majority of this plot happens because of the dumb promise retcon, right? Oh. Without that, none of this is necessary. The Junior Momo promise is just something they made up, and then they had to write a whole game about it, and yep. that's not part of the plan. So the next game has to a fix this game's plot, and then B, finish off three other games' worth of plot, and honestly, does a great job. This game makes so much more sense when I know it's someone trying, like, it's just a bull in a china shop and not someone trying to unbull a china shop. Right, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and it's famously, like, because this is, this is Tetsuya Takahashi being hoisted by his own petard because his whole idea for Monolith Soft was that he wanted to give younger up-and-coming developers and designers a <laughs> chance using his IP. That was his whole plan for his company, and then it completely bit him in the ass as, as soon as episode two happens. He's like, oh shit, They made maybe a good sh- battle system. Um, they made a good mm. idea of a battle system. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Let's, no, the battle, um, the battle system is good. It's the encounters yeah. that they frame around it that are bad. This game is poorly balanced. <laughs> it's not, like, doesn't right. play poorly. Right. Is there a minigame? Yes, there is. Talk about um, it. Um, yeah, so but we haven't done, we haven't, yeah, Sybil hasn't said the, yeah, the, the, the one before, one before yet. Yeah, one quick thing. Sakura ends this whole pity party by making <laughs> Junior promise to protect her unborn sibling and mother, which is a thing that we will have only heard about an hour ago. And when he swears he will, she sneaks a psychic kiss on his cheek and goes in the house while he's speechless. Ta-da! Okay, so I didn't miss anything in the rest of that cutscene. Um, nope. <laughs> so the minigame is if you go back inside the house and you go to, like, uh, the left side of it, forget who it is, but it's a sliding tile minigame where every level the sliding tiles, like, it gets one by one wider. Mm. Um, and it's a GS campaign mission to, like, do the first one. And that's in, that's in Jin's house. Oh. That, that's in, yeah, that's not. So, oh, okay. Oh, that's where I thought we were. No, this is just the shitty cabin. Oh. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I misunderstood cabin as whatever, but it doesn't matter, because... This is the house where half the house leads to a closet under the stairs yeah. in a way that's very dumb. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, the in the library. Oh, um, this is. I had to do this section. Tw- I had to play up to this section twice because I got here and then I could no longer interact with objects uh, in my save file as <laughs> fuck. So I had to play the beginning of this game twice up to wait this section. Wait, you're telling Boy. me you got Sakura Mizrahi'd by the game? Yes. How <laughs> <laughs> meta. Uh, yeah. Wow. Hey, what's up with that thing in the what's up with the thing in the building later? Uh, the red one. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bonus dungeon. Okay. Ooh. You're going to find later. multiple colors of those. I have to dive back those. into here and then go yeah. back into there. You okay. do. Well, oh, that sucks. Yeah. So we then immediately, after just this like one cut scene in the memory of the Sakura house, uh, teleport back into the memory of the Yuriev Institute uh, as part of the Encephalon dive. And it kind of dictates that there's going to be two different gameplay modes in this dungeon. Uh, first is you explore the Yuriev Institute, talking to folks and following the ghosts of the three uh, children URTVs around. And then the second is that every now and then you will actually go into a memory of a real dungeon with uh, real enemies, and we'll talk about that later. But while you're following the ghost kids around, you can talk to some of the people at the Yuriev Institute. Um, <laughs> and one of them is basically just like, yo, fuck them kids. They scare me. Why the hell did Dr. Yuriev make his super weapons uh, into children modeled after his own image? And you know what? I have that question too. Um, Good point. Dr. Yuriev, yeah, Dr. Yuriev is basically like the new writers being like, well, we want our own Dr. Mizrahi uh, is what it feels like. And so it's like, ah, yeah, let's 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 give them another uh, evil mega scientist fucking around with child DNA and super weapons. <laughs> My favorite is the one who's like, I always see URTVs in the deep dark in the deep forest. I guess they just all love damp, dark places. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> Maybe I should have watched these cutscenes. Yeah. Yeah. This is a wild stretch. Oh, oh say uh, yeah. the line. Uh which one is that? Oh, the one I the one that's highlighted. Oh, yeah. No, I, I I'm about I'm about to get there. So so we're at the Yuri of Institute and we learn that the three URTVs uh that we have been following around to our albedo uh, Negredo, aka Guinan, and Rubido, aka Junior, um, all are like altered their variants they're different from the first uh 665 models uh because they have their own will instead of a collective hive mind but um albino negredo and rubido have this like sibling dynamic where uh uh albedo and gynan are giving rubido just endless shit uh and they say <laughs> you've been thinking about girls instead of killing god <laughs> mm -hmm. it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> we also learn some stuff about Albedo's kind of like character as a child where he is like the biggest baby and coward of all of them. And he's also the one who has like the most like shitty, violent, supremacist thoughts within him. Uh, and we're, we're going to see that as well. And then we meet the only named female URTV whose name is Citrine and also learn some really fucked up things about the female URTV units. Um, so uh, she's number 668 and Negredo comments that uh, he thought that the missing number 668 was dead. Citrina is like, of course not, uh, because obviously we need females to carry on more X chromosomes for breeding. And also, there are an entire nine women out of the 669 clones, thank you very much. And it's true that, like, the female URTVs are more unstable and get sick and break down a lot more easier, but they're needed for, like, DNA breeding and genetic memory purposes, which is just fucked. <laughs> It's just fuck. It's, it. it's just realism. It's fine. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> fuck all Jesus. the way off. Jesus I mean, that, this is the most realistic part of the game, to be fair. Well, the, the misogyny? 
<laughs> yeah, people say things that other people believe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, but also Satrine, all... Satrine, like, talks down to them really hard, too. Like, she does, she is not sympathetic at all. Uh, she is daddy's girl in a way that is not as creepy as you're thinking, but <laughs> yeah. she, uh. is, she is the favorite for reasons mm-hmm. that you will see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will point out in the DS game, Citrine is given a lot more character in this flashback than just this one scene. She will, in fact, join the party in the modern day during this dive. So she's going around and commenting on things. And she's an NPC in the dungeon. Damn. They do a lot to repair the fact that these writers put her in. I think it's only two scenes in this game. <laughs> and one of them is just plot exposition. And the other is the one where she goes, did you know that Papa Epstein made this foundation to secure his genetic line? (laughs) (laughs) That's what just happened. It's it's just a really dumb move to make a bunch of characters in your game clones for like character Mm. reasons. Like part of the problem with this game is that like a lot of characters are very indistinct. And like, I didn't get to see this citrine cutscene. This sounds like a character that the game needed much earlier on. Okay. You didn't, quote, get to see the Citrine cutscene. You were skipping all of the cutscenes because you decided they were beneath you. No, that's not <laughs> what happened. I skipped the cutscenes because this game was disrespecting my time. Okay. <laughs> well, didn't you finish Xenosaga 1? Xenosaga 1 plays a lot better and has a much smaller and more like interesting story than this game does. This game is just a bunch of different, like... It is a much wider like scope, like it's talking about bigger topics, but the story itself kind is of. smaller. And in this game, it's, okay, it's just a bunch of different stories happening at the same time. And it's separated by like these long stretches of uninteresting gameplay that and some really heinous, shitty, boring dungeons. And I was just like, I'm done with this. Like I need to finish this dungeon so I can talk about it, but this game has nothing interesting to say to me, and it's not really using my time very well. So that's why I stopped watching cutscenes. I just kind of wanted to be done with it. I hate this game. This, I think, I think you're our first, uh, you're our first guest host on this season uh, who is more Jokerified about episode two than we are. So welcome. <laughs> really? Oh no! Take it back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this is uh, also, we learn here that the uh, hive mind blonde URTVs uh, hate, mutually hate the, um, the variant URTVs of our, of our three, our three buddies. And then Albedo hates, hates the, hates the hive mind back but then uh rubido and negredo are kind of like they each have their own role rubido is like the leader and negredo is like you know the voice of reason and then albedo is the one who's like hey don't beat up my brother and decides to um beat up the clones instead and then we get the beach episode (laughs) so where there's never a beach yeah you don't get to the beach it's so strange no uh, so, uh, well, yeah, because well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. It's a metaphor. Can we beach. please get to this dungeon? I want to talk about it so bad. <laughs> All right. So, the new training mission is assigned to the URTVs. They are going to encephalon dive into Sakura Mizrahi's mind, show up on a beach within her subconscious, and blow up whatever her mental manifestation that keeps her from connecting to reality is. And there's nothing wrong with this plan. This is just a general problem 
that I have with this particular game. I don't think it's as much of a problem in the first one. The technology level of this world makes no sense, right? Like, they can go into people's subconsciousness, but, like, they're just using it for this. There's, like, so many other things you would use this for. Uh, and Okay. I, like, I understand that this is a good use for it. I'm not saying it's a bad use for it. My claim is that this would be a fundamentally, like, ontologically shifting technology, and that this game does nothing with it. Second of all, I don't... Oh, didn't you know that, that this is the internet in this world? Right. That's no. That's... No, no, no. And it's also how you do transport. No, they have cars. Yeah, it's... People drive cars. No, 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 they this have... is how starships work here. People also drive cars in this world. Like, literal old-timey well, yeah. cars. Yeah, on, on planets, but then also there is a uh, galactic digital hive mind god that allows for instant communication across vast distances, and they have been trying to research it for years and years and years and trying to figure out how to, like, teleport organic living things instead of just mechanical things, and there's been a whole bunch of uh, violent deaths uh, in those experiments, and so, like... It is more considered than you would think. It's still a. It at the end of the day, it is still kind of a bunch of bullshit. I I will give you that. But but it is they have put some thought into how the UMN interfaces with the characters of the world. And all the places we went in Xenosaga One were explicitly like low technology backwaters. Mm-hmm. So I like mean, Star Ocean. It, it's probably also possible that. This is part of what, like, the uh, personality reconditioning was in in the first game, right? Because going into his mind and, like, blowing up the bad stuff. Yeah, like, the ideal use of this is, like, treating PTSD, right? 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't make them money and turn them into powerful nations. This is weird because this is the first time you've done it with not a robot. So this is, like, the first time you're like, oh, we can do this with not a robot. No, this would Mm -hmm. fundamentally destroy the concept of self. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, and it, it's, it's not, it hasn't, it demonstrably Goals. hasn't. Goals. So Good uh, news. that's like my, just my problem. It's just like when sci-fi like makes a technology that's really interesting and it's like, oh, we use this to like, I don't know, teleport six feet or whatever, you know, like. Okay. You've missed the side plot in this game, which is that there's all of the hidden dungeons are hidden behind illegal experiments with this tech yeah. that... Have you ever read the Stephen King story, The Jaunt? What? No. You know, the, Hell yeah. yeah. It's it's the one where you have just this portal that connects worlds, but they talk about, as they're explaining it to a five-year-old boy, all the experiments that went wrong with it. Like, if you go in conscious, you just come out this horrible, grizzled, broken shell and die immediately. All sorts of things. It's like... So it's the testing process plus we go through it. This is the exact thing we did. We started shoving prisoners through these teleportation devices to see what happened. Mm-hmm. And megacorps made different brands of their own type before the government standardized it. And one of our goals for the bonus dungeons is to get the keys to all the old megacore teleportation devices and go to whatever place they were keyed up to and fight optional bosses. Yeah, that's an evocative, cool thing. Like my, my claim is not that this game doesn't have cool things and the series doesn't have cool things. It's that it's just a bunch of cool things. <laughs> like, it's just like a bunch of things happening kind of 
in parallel. And like, oh yeah, they're just like mm-hmm. cool ideas that someone came up with. And it's like, oh, we got to find a way to bring that in. And that, that was in Xenosaga 1, but it was like less noticeable, I think, at least from what I've seen here. And in Xenosaga 2, it's the entire game. <laughs> Yeah, Xenosaga episodes one, episode one's triumph is how integrated and considered it feels yes. when you actually start to dive deep. Because when you're just when it's just surface level, it's like, oh man, this is a bunch of space opera bullshit. And then you pay attention, and it's like, oh wow, they they've they've thought of everything. And and yeah, here they're thinking of everything, but not yeah, together. They like let some dev go into a corner and think of a bunch of evocative things for this world and like come back. Mm-hmm. And that's like just kind of sprinkled throughout. Sorry, continue. The the thing about this, too, is that this is, like, explicitly narratively framed in the shittiest way possible, right? Because, like, we're Encephalon diving into Momo, and then experiencing a second Encephalon dive, like, we're very far removed from the actual mechanics of the plot right now. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we'll find out it doesn't matter, apparently, from what the notes say. Fun fact. There is actually a third layer of Inception if you blow up the barn and activate the Forbidden device to dive into a dive into a dive. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah, I did Matt. try to activate it, but you can't activate it right uh, now. Not yet. Yeah, no, you, you need you the key. To... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt, do you want to do you want to lay out exactly how this Inception is working? <laughs> sure. So we are now playing the present day cast, diving into the memories of a damaged Momo wherein we're investigating the memories of Sakura Mizrahi, and now we're participating in Junior's past by entering her brain. So, try to make sense of that a little bit. Because <laughs> Momo's got, well, because Momo's got Sakura's memories, and in Sakura's memories are the memories of Junior's dive, and then they're going right. through that way. Right, and also, as as Sybil's notes point out, on top of that, it, like, the deeper that they go, the slower time is passing, and so it is quite literally Inception. So I, I miss the time passing thing. How did that? How does it's that come the to fact play? That when we get to the end of this, it's going to be outside of this. Everyone has been watching us for maybe an hour through all the cutscenes and flashbacks and things that are just getting beamed into our party's head, mm-hmm. and Albedo just teleports in, grabs everything, and leaves, and like three seconds time like i didn't get as much of the sense of the time dilation happening okay but i I believe that it happened (laughs) but we spend an hour in there yeah So we start the dungeon 
uh, in earnest by spawning outside of a gas station, which is near a forest, and we start fighting things. By fighting things, you mean we fight the same four enemies for the next four to six hours. <laughs> Pretty the much. enemies are <sighs> Expression, which is like a robed lizard ghost who will spend the first round telling you they loathe an adjective where each uh, character has an adjective. So like Cosmos is beauty and Momo is charm. And if that character takes an action, they will um, react attack them um, out of the turn order. And uh, will fuck up like your boost chain and stuff. Uh, they do a lot of status effects also. Um, Necessity is a huge beefy monster with an attack called Jack Ketch is a killer. <laughs> and that is named for a famous English executioner. Um, and has a big ass. Like turn- <laughs> yeah, and they waste like a turn reloading it sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're tanky. I wonder what the Japanese name for this is. If it's still that. I could not find an easy way to look that up. Because that Sorry. seems like a translation thing, where it's like, oh, this is some Japanese oh, killer. Everyone in the world hates the English. It's okay. <laughs> Vacillation is a flying scorpion who buffs the enemy party, which is a pain in the ass unless you have Cosmos, because it requires an ABB combo to break, a thing you cannot naturally do with one person. Cosmos just has uh, an A attack on the circle. Momo and, well. um, nice. Finally... Informa- I thought that was only her stock action that was A. Uh, I believe no. you could just roll it. I, I don't no, think I... so, because uh, sometimes it's it's uh, B distance, even if you're using the, the circle with Momo. And I, I was never yeah. clear what the difference was. Um, it's when they are, when when creatures are flying, then uh, Shion, Momo, and Junior's circle attacks are all A distance. And when they're on oh. the ground, Shion, Junior, and Momo's okay. circle attacks are B. Yeah, and Cosmos's ground circle is A. Right, but you can never right. do a circle into uh, like a square or a triangle with any character. No. Which is annoying. No, but you can circle into a no, boost. You, you, you have to use boost for that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's what mm-hmm. I ended up doing. Because that was the only way I could get it to work. And finally, the information type, which doesn't do anything or interesting or threatening, but has like eight minute cutscenes about it. (laughs) Because it just shoots Uh, missiles at you? Oh, no, no, no. I was thinking of the other guy. Oh, these guys, these guys are interesting, actually. The um, these are the jester guys, right? That shoot the missiles in the airplanes. When you get the if you get these guys down below 25 percent, they do like two without killing them. They do like 250 damage to everybody and then die. Oh, yeah. They, they're bombs, yeah, basically. Exactly. They're bombs. But in, but instead of, uh, you know, the bomb timer explosion, they open up a magical gift box full of missiles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and also there's no like visual feedback for how close you're getting. So you just get fucking owned randomly. Well, there's a <laughs> you, you do get um, their HP. Right. Because the yeah, HP is always but, visible. But, yeah. It is always yeah, but you visible. Don't get the countdown timer, right? Right, oh, and they don't the like timer. Okay, they don't yeah. slump over either. They don't. They don't have the like. I'm damaged. It's just as soon as you hit that threshold, they, they blow do up. the attack. <laughs> oh, this dungeon revealed something that I find extremely aggravating about the combat, which mm-hmm. is that enemies don't decide if they're going to boost right away. I know. Uh-huh. Oh my god. No. Yeah. Every. Every second, they just randomly roll to say, am I going to boost now? So if you take like five seconds to think about it, they'll just decide to boost and fuck over you while you were planning. They don't decide (laughs) at the beginning of the turn, so it's not something you can plan around. It's just seemingly really random in a way that makes me so mad. Yeah, so many times. 
when I would be like, oh, I should boost with someone, but I had waited a second too long and I just noticed that it was down there and it aggravated me every fucking time. Why does that happen? You can't pause the battles. It it is criminal with how the combat system is designed. It's like the designers, because they were new designers, were like, ah, we, how do we instill urgency into a turn-based system? I know we're, we'll punish them for making too, for taking too long to make the decisions. Nope. That'll do you it. You balance it correctly. I, oh my God. So this is the part of the game where I think one of you, Chris, maybe said before we started or towards the beginning that the combat is still good for you here. These enemies, I don't think the design of them is bad. I just think they have twice as much HP as they should have. I think enemies in this game are too too tanky. I think they're fine. I don't really have let's do we'll do the big combat analysis at Albedo because that's where all the pro- okay. every single problem is present. Fair enough. <laughs> but these guys are fine, right? Like yeah. if you have somebody with fire blast or thunder blast, you still kill the necessities in one round because all you have to do is launch them where they take like quadruple magic damage, then hit them with a weak thing and you hit them for like fifteen hundred and one shot. I, I could do yeah. that at the end of the dungeon, but not towards the beginning. And the problem problem with this is, oh, yeah. is that well, while you're that's learning the skill system is bad this is a game where like your losers lose from the beginning because you start off not knowing how to break them and you don't know like how to defend against them either so you don't have offense or defense and you can't figure out how to do it until you've taken a bunch of turns trying to figure out yeah. their combo well and also like god forbid you took like three rounds building up everybody's stock and then you just ruin it yeah <laughs> you, know, you don't use well, it right you mean like i like how i burned three boost in nine stock and albedo and did zero damage oh because his time? arms were there uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah we 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 will get there we have we have to hold off on that shit. oh yeah because yeah. we will all have some but um this is also i think where uh the fact that they don't teach you how to utilize the skill progression system well, uh, mm-hmm. where that goes oh, back yeah. to bite you, because this this dungeon really benefits from having specialized characters and from dipping into the upper level uh, skill sections a little bit to try to like make each character unique so that you have enough tools to take care of the different weakness types. But if you're playing it like a Final Fantasy X, then you have you're just like upgrading everyone on the same path, and all you have are like the piddly, you know, single cure and piddly like you know thunder shield spells, and so it's you really have to know okay. I need to make this person a caster. I need to make this person someone who can just, you know, buff and then unload damage and shit like that. And the yeah, game never this, communicates that with you. I bet this is extremely hard if stuff like Fire Sword and Fire Blast are all on the same character. Yeah, and oh yeah. Th- that's yeah, yeah. not your fault for doing that though, because this game has a terrible UI, especially in the upgrade menu. And the way that oh, that very, UI is set up, yeah. it encourages you to spread out, like, to make your characters jacks of all trades. Because you can't know what you're building towards in these higher levels because you can't see a lot of the important abilities. And you... Because you didn't do the bad side quests. Yeah. (laughs) And then all of these, like, useful ones are grouped into, like, a G or an H or whatever the last one is. And so sometimes you need to have them all do the same ones, but sometimes you should diversify them. And it's not communicated at all by the way that that menu is set up or anything well, also about it. like 
and there's very little wiggle room in case you like make some bad choices because you're not going to get class points for a long time. And if you spend and all you your skill points grind. and you can't really grind. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also, I think probably the thing that I found most frustrating about this dungeon is that the enemies do a lot of damage. And mm-hmm. on yeah. top of that, unless you're running the two tankiest characters you have, which are Cosmos and Ziggy, you're likely to get knocked out pretty regularly, and you're going to run out of like items to revive people. You like have to like get Momo to hear it. Momo crumples. Here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And Momo is so yeah. strong against some of these enemies. Like I ran Momo for this entire dungeon because she and Momo was very strong. Yeah. Shouldn't even be able to be in here. That, that Diagetically, yeah. <laughs> plot wise, or Cosmos. I, They're like, here's Cosmos on a USB drive. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. Oh my god. Cosmos is on the other side of the city. There's literally one line. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah. It's uh Sybil covered it last episode. Uh, that exactly. It's like, oh yeah, Cosmos is down for maintenance at Vector, but uh, yeah, you sure you can have her consciousness for this. She's dive zoom here. calling in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we've all been doing remote work for a year plus now. <laughs> Alan brought Cosmos via sneaker net when he brought the goggles. <laughs> God. <laughs> Fucking, hey, listeners, if you were wondering when the surprise sugar fest of the Xenosaga episode two season was going to stop, hello, welcome, <laughs> yeah. it's episode five. Yeah, no, we, we we knew, though. We knew this was coming. Let's talk about this dungeon. Well, even, even me. <laughs> Let's do this. This dungeon is incredibly repetitive. So, first off, because I mention it right here, we're doing this twice. Yeah, that sucks. The yeah, whole so thing, the puzzles, yes, everything. Yep, yep. Let's and put U.S. imperialism to good use and extrajudicially execute the person who made the log yeah. puzzle that you have to leave and come back four times on the same screen. That deserves uh. summary execution, like a firing squad, but they're all loaded. Absolutely. Good news, they're burning that guy to start the Tokyo Olympics. That's how we celebrate. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Topical. I'm going to become a sprinter so I can carry the torch at the last second. The other thing (laughs) that you mentioned in your notes, but I don't think you go hard enough on, that this dungeon is long in, like, the distance sense. Oh, yeah. Like, all of the screens are this. Just that that first screen where there's the dead end down the road is way longer oh than it needs my to God. be. Three encounters Let's... to find out there's nothing no, there. No, there's a, a oh my God. there's one should... fucking like med kit or something. No, there <laughs> is, it's, but it's only there in the winter. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. The other one is on the truck, Chris. Yeah. You have to go up on there's... the truck for this mm-hmm. first one. What? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, yeah. you can go on the truck. Yeah, I went all the hey. way down there, didn't get anything. Okay, <laughs> it wasn't hey, very good. These screens think. take four minutes to get across when you have turbo mode on. Xenosaga right, episode two, uh, everyone. Good, <laughs> good news, everyone. You will be going back down that old country road for at least two GS quests. Hooray! Uh-huh. You will. <laughs> all right, so go through nine plus screens of forest with rocks to break and logs to knock down. Some of random them are, dead ends just because fuck you. The camera will hide some of these paths that lead back to earlier screens. Sure so will. if you're not looking right or yes, there's there's actual paths to return to earlier screens for treasure that are like 
cut around corners weirdly unless you know to hump a wall. One, you just have to walk through a bush, a thing that you haven't been able to do ever in this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One screen, which appears in both variants of the dungeon, literally the first screen after the gas station, is a long corridor with no enemies that is just there to pass. And, and mm-hmm. they use it twice. I cannot emphasize how much the minimap of this is just a Final Fantasy 13 minimap. Oh, yeah. Except it doesn't give you good information no, either. It doesn't. Like, enemies right. aren't even on it. Final Fantasy 13 at least had a useful minimap. Yeah. I, I am so glad that I bought the guide for this game. I, back when I was playing, like, first got this game. We we skipped over it here for a second, but I want to go back to that fucking log puzzle for a moment. That's that's the next one. We're gonna get okay. a lot. We're gonna complain about it more. Uh, okay. Then the- one progression path punishes you if you blow everything up all the time, meaning you have to walk off this screen and come back to make it reload. And but it's there, <sighs> there's not a correct solution. No. So the no. puzzle. The puzzle is that there's a, a tree that you blow up and it falls into a river and there are four rocks along the river and the log will get stopped by the by the uh, rocks. Except you cannot shoot the rock after the log is touching it, meaning you can only choose one time. And there's not so there's no way to get everything in one fell swoop. So you spend about 20 minutes here just blowing up certain rocks to get to a certain spot, leaving and coming back. It sucks so bad. At least the enemies don't respawn because otherwise that would yeah. make yes. this no, absolutely no, intolerable. No. They respawn One of them on the other screen. So if yeah. you have turbo mode on and you go slightly too far back, you get into an encounter on the other screen. Oh, oh well, I didn't have to deal with that. Yeah. Thankfully. Which sucks because the idea of the log puzzle is yes. one of those little clever like mini puzzle slash mini task things that Xenosaga episode one dungeons were full of and were actually like clever and interesting and so when I first saw this I was like oh cool okay I decide which rocks to blow up and then that pushes the log further down and then I can go pick up some you know the boxes and treasure chests and shit and then seeing the execution of it and seeing that like also half the paths don't contain anything and so (sighs) Um, it's like you had to phase out of one screen and phase back into the other screen just to do literally nothing. So, it's like the the just garbage bullshit GoBot version of uh, of a episode here's the one correct way to do this puzzle. So first of all, the breaking rocks is persistent and resettable manually. It, it doesn't happen when you go off screen. Second of all, the place you want to go is the last stop if you blow up all of the rocks and you need to figure out which rocks contain important things as you send it down rock by rock. And that way you'd be punished for blowing up rocks before you see the log rather than just having a tedium thing where you have to like, oh, I guess I need to walk off screen and come back, which the game doesn't tell you you can do. Or how about this? You can just blow up a rock after the log touches it. So the correct Mm -hmm. solution is to just go across the first one, knock over the tree so you have a bridge to the progression when you're done, and then you just go one at a time. And it's not a puzzle. It's just a thing you do for some extra treasure. Literally, Because the river is still moving. So the log will travel down. But the the rocks just become untargetable. Well, you you know why? Because they don't. They, they didn't want to be a situation where you're standing on the log and trying to blow up the rock. Like, if you could just blow it up from the shore. You know what I'm saying? Like, in terms of the programming that. of it. 
That, yeah, that's that's no, that's but what, that's not how programming that, yeah, works. That's what they Just get make paid it targetable for. when you're on the log. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I would love it, to see uh, Ziggy roll log, or like you know, <laughs> just do yeah. it with his with his metal feet, just like rolling the log down the river. That would actually be pretty good. It's very clear that this was that this was like a rookie mistake, like you know, a designer just not being able to work the engine in a way that they want. But the reality of playing it is infuriating. This and twice <laughs> really reads like we need a puzzle here. Oh, and the game ships in tomorrow. In the abstract, it's not. In the abstract, it's not so bad, except that it takes twenty minutes to do, and you do it twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you do it each yep. time three or four times, and you do that twice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, unforgivable. <laughs> unforgivable. <gasps> See you at hell, fucker. <laughs> and and as we mentioned earlier. As a bonus kick in the pants, one of the very first things here is a barn containing a forbidden device, which just tells you you're coming back here for bonus content. It, but you have oh, that sucks too because it shows up as targetable, but you have to attack it like six times. But there's no visual indicator that it's doing anything, so you're like, I don't know, is this broken? Uh, that's I guess not the I'll only time it does. It. The game does that too. Yeah, there's at least three in this place. Where you just yeah you have to find the right spot to blow it well, up. I think you have oh, to no, hit it multiple times. You have to chain hit them. Oh, I just thought that I was in the wrong place, and so I kept like going around. You just no. have to spam the button. I was just going around the house multiple times, being like, "Where is it? Where is it? Where is it?" And finally, it blew up, and I thought that I just got it right. <laughs> He's just office spacing this barn. So yeah. yeah. So think about this. This game has a two tier system of those attacks: a quick shot. For, like, little things and a big move, like they charge up and do a blast or something for Mm. larger objects. This is a third type of object that ignores that and makes you just spam the button until it works. Mm. And you have to, like... Nothing about this is explained. Yeah. So the, the final point that I have here about how obnoxious this dungeon is, is, okay big deal is made about how technically the random battles or the field monsters are visible and avoidable in Xenosaga games. In Xenosaga Episode 1, there were a few really infuriating dungeons where the path was too narrow and so you couldn't actually avoid those fights. Here, it's the same thing. The path is too narrow, so it's impossible to avoid the fights. And also, the ghosts are just like little floating sprites instead of monsters. And also, their aggro is so fast that you just get like a tiny little bit too close to them and they bum rush you. And so it's essentially the same thing as a random battle. Also, the walking doesn't so- like stop that. Like no. in the first game, right. right? Like you, you can walk around them. Like walking was the way to do that sometimes. And in this case, it just doesn't matter at all. Like why even have the walk? Right. And even when they give you one of those little things on the ground that explode, like the targeting in this game sucked so fucking bad that like I often would only hit it like basically after they had touched me and it was loading the battle. Like, yeah, th- this is the, also the part where, of the game where it took battle started to take like five minutes or so for me. Like, they're long. Three to five yeah. minutes. And so you're doing these long battles and, and oh, oh, it takes so long. This dungeon is so long and it's just forest hallways. One last thing that I want to mention is the, the fucking shortcut in this section is not a shortcut. It's, it saves one screen 
and watching the log animation. It's not a real shortcut because then you have to walk. So you can blow up a wall in this area that connects like the third or second screen to like the fourth screen. But if you use the shortcut, you have to go all the way out of this valley and around the thing and then up. And it's like maybe 20 seconds faster, like on turbo mode total, but it's like not a shortcut. That's the last thing that I hate about this. I think this area sucks. Uh, the one that I was referring to when I wrote that note is there's a log that lets you skip the rocks puzzle on the future. Mm-hmm. So you can just walk across. Right. And then, and then yeah. So for, for your repeated runs in this dungeon for bonus stuff, it, it that one large screen is very obviated, which is very nice. I've been muted for a long time. I have another complaint about this, uh, which is not particularly to this dungeon, but uh, look what they did to my boy.jpg <laughs> about Cosmos in battle where all of the swords and guns and stuff are gone and it's just a bunch of flip kicks. Um, mm-hmm. She still has swords and guns in her special moves. Yeah, but not all the time. It sucks. Yeah, that's It's true. just punching and kicking dudes. What the fuck? Why have a cool, like, battle robot? This is, I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's rough stuff. So, once we make it about, through about nine screens of this dungeon, (laughs) uh, we get our first little story morsel tidbit here, uh, where we continue the flashback. The variants and a few other URTVs find a giant glowing orb inside Sakura Mizrahi. The URTV mooks talk about the waves and then they get uh, zapped by red snakes and they turn into infected URTVs. And this causes Junior to freak out because Udu touching the URTVs is not supposed to be possible outside of the Udu simulator or inside an encephalon dive at all. And yet they're getting touched and infected. What the fuck is this? Uh, long story short, the thing that made Sakura Mizrahi unable to communicate with the outside world is Udu. Okay. Also, just want to point out, the fact that they have an Udu simulator is extremely stupid because they have had no contact with Udu or data about Udu, a thing multiple NPCs even tell you. One of the... They have... Oh, they have a software engineer say, how the fuck am I supposed to code an Oudu simulator yeah. without any data? <laughs> I love that the MOOCs who are so, like, they're just like the workaday programmers and scientists who are employed at the Uriev Institute are all like, my boss is evil and crazy and I don't like what we're doing, but it's a job. This is it's what so- making software is like. Making an Oudu <laughs> simulator yes. without any data is what our company's contract with Redacted. Is like also you have to beat that out. <laughs> okay. Yes. I I totally understand that as someone who is redesigning all of our NetSuite implementation right now because <laughs> my boss has it in his head that things are supposed to work one way that is the opposite of how they are coded. Like he wants me to put. If you have worked in a warehouse that is automated, you might know what a pick ticket is, which tells mm-hmm. you where the item is what you need to get, and how many. It only tells you what you need to pick and put in a box because you only have those items. So if the item is not there, it doesn't print it on the ticket to save ink. He wants (laughs) all those zeros and things that are packed on the ticket so the warehouse, who do not talk to customers, know when something is out so they can... 
And this means I have to break the functionality of a pick ticket to fulfill this madman's whim. Buddy, I have a federated identity system that I was given seven weeks to do, and it's due in one week, and they haven't even chose an authentication standard or how they will communicate. Fuck the... <sighs> Redacted. <laughs> this motherfucker said standard. Uh, but also... <laughs> I swear to fucking <clears throat> God. <laughs> Sybil, you're programming uh, Udu into a pick ticket. Yes! Yes, um, literally the zeros. Yeah. Just the zeros outside of... Re- Divide by zero and found fucking Udu. It turns out he was in Bay B2A4. After after we see this initial uh, infection horror cutscene, infected URTVs are now a regular enemy. They kind of like hunch over and wave their arms around and do like creepy little like crying, giggling sounds and have uh, claws for arms all of a sudden. They're that Soul Calibur guy. Exactly. They're yeah. Voldo. Yeah. They're Voldo, yeah. 100%. Um, but they're so easy. They have so little HP. But they it's unbelievable. Come in groups they don't do of anything. five. Yeah, yeah, they come in groups of five. Cares? They boost a bunch, and they also poison. Yeah, yeah. Do they poison? Um, oh yeah, they poison. Mm-hmm. They like boost chain each other. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I. Oh, I guess everybody has been through the passive that gives them resistance to like poison and lost and everything already. Oh yeah. So, right. Oh yeah. I'm just immune to all that shit. Yeah. If you don't have that, these guys are nasty, and you need to burn them down, and they'll probably chew up all of your antidotes. Okay, yeah. yeah. These guys were, like, nothing to me. It was unbelievable. Oh, I didn't even bother, like, trying to heal the poison. No. I just tried to, like, grit through it. DPS and through it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, this got, like, really gnarly when I decided to only run uh, Ziggy as my my tanky person. Because, like, at the mm. end of this, I'm like, oh, I haven't used Junior this entire thing, and I'm going to oh. use him on the boss fight. So here's Junior with, like, 600 HP and Momo with like 600 HP and they do 200 a hit and they can get like four or five turns in a row. And the the poison status effect actually deals a pretty decent chunk of damage after your character has taken action. And yeah, it's game. like 15 percent. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. can I just say that yeah. it feels really, really, really bad in this battle system to be cock blocked by boosts so often. Like this battle system does not <sighs> support five enemies. Like it just should not. No. But yeah, as mentioned before, the only thing that's really positive about these enemies is that they are easy to break and they have low HP, so they go down quickly so long as you don't get boost fucked. So make sure to focus fire uh, on one at a time and make sure to heal up. Yeah, but you're going to take some damage because you're going to take turns building up the stock to even get the combos going. And then by that Mm -hmm. point, you've already taken 600 points of damage. You don't build up the stock. You just use the boost, and you don't want to focus fire because you want to fully maximize turn cancel. But, you know, turn cancel doesn't fire every single time you land a successful yeah. attack on the turn cancel turn. Uh, right. it, you, you, it's, it's, a, it's a proc percentage, which is mm, bullshit. Okay, okay. Yeah, see, that's the thing I wasn't yeah working on. I hate the roulette wheel because you, you can plan around it enough, but, like, it never aligns with, like, good strategic moments to attack when it 
as the thing. Like, it's just a useless thing in this game. In the first game, it had a lot more of that. Mm. This game, I didn't... It's it's more manipulatable than, than you really? might think. It is definitely less manipulatable than in episode yes. one. Only one slot is random. Everything um, else is a set order. Uh-huh. Uh, what I will say is that the boost one is so unbelievably powerful oh, so because like yeah. Yeah. when you build up to your big chain turn, what you do when you're chaining all your guys together, you don't use all of the stock on one of your characters just so you can have them go on the boost turn because yeah. you get boost per move you do. So yep. if you have three stock on top of your other two attacks, you get two boost back. You're going for like nine turns in a row. It is unbelievable. Yeah, we can talk about this later. Yeah. This is a winner's like winners win battle system. Like if you're doing well, you're yeah. gonna keep doing well. If you're yeah. having a hard time, you're gonna die. They're so they they need to punish you during the setup phase, not the execution phase, and that is the fatal flaw of how they design the encounters. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a. It's a gorge v starve system. Also, while we're talking about boosts, and because this is the dungeon where you can first really find these in chests, boost max. Anyone mm, play with these yet? Uh, not that yet. Sucks. Yeah. No, they're good. They just don't do what you expect them to do. No, I know that's what. Max. I understand what they do, but I don't want. The only time I would want to use that right is like on a boss, and I am mm-hmm. not trying to spend more time. Well, look. We'll talk about how I went into Albedo, but it would be non-viable to try to get even more boost against Albedo, (laughs) given how I went into it. (laughs) Okay, so for the people who are at home, boost maxes are consumable items that will up your boost gauge plus one to a max of five from the default three for the length of one battle. Mm -hmm. You require these for some post-game content. Yeah, and it's it's funny because when I see the item name Boost Max, I think that it will just it it will be an item that gives me three boost instead of yeah exactly. it doesn't give you any boost. It just raises your max. You think it's a TP potion? Yeah. Boost plus yes. yeah. or yeah, or boost plus in a cooler design system. You would find these as, you know, rewards and things over the course of the game to raise the max gauge. Yeah, right. Maybe yes. nine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Give give me. Are there a finite number of these in the game? Yeah, because there's yes. no shops. Oh there's yeah, no you can you can steal them, but yes, they they're not easily farmable. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm probably not ever gonna steal anything in this game because I do not want to go back and do GS Quest One back on the Durandal because <laughs> uh, I didn't do it, and so I didn't get Cycle Pocket, and now I've already missed a couple of like boss items that you have to steal. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. I don't need to steal shit. You have literally locked yourself out of at least three attacks now. Yeah, I know. And just was a good choice, wasn't it? To put that behind. Yeah. Such a missable. It's, It's one of the most hateful decisions they do, especially because you can do the quest later for that, but you are locked out of a mass this dungeon, the next dungeon, the what? start of disc two, yeah, you just can't go back and do these yep. things. I what can't fight Albedo again, so I can't get Awakening. I just it, can't. Yep. It's done. Should I should I run through this dungeon again? No. 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 God no. Not Don't. worth it. I'm asking Sybil, is that worth it to me? No. 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 Nothing it I could mi- nothing I missed is not worth it. Here's the thing. They will be helpful things, but how much do you want to redo all of this already? Right. 
Right. I don't know. I got a lot of podcasts to listen to. It, well, and also the deal the deal with double tech attacks is that they uh, uh, have the Final Fantasy VIII summons problem where mm-hmm. they they do deal a lot of damage, yeah. but not enough damage for how fucking long they take once you've seen it mm-hmm. one time. Well, also in this system, they consume an extremely large amount of resources, mm-hmm. so I will also, never, yeah. ever, ever use them. I use them in the tutorial for them and then never again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Because if that's all it is, I don't give a fuck. They are too yeah. expensive. They cost a boost and a stock? Fuck you, That's homie. what every Awakening will get you is one of those. No, I don't right. want any of that. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. However, by not having that, you also can't do the thing to get Captain Matthews' debt paid off. <gasps> oh. You need Awakenings farming. There's a boss you can get an infinite number of them from. That's because she switches forms. Every time she changes back to one form, her drops respawn. Oh, that's interesting. interesting. Oh, is that Orgula? So, that's Orgula. I want to pay off Captain Matthew's debt because I love him. I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Only out of loyalty to Captain Matthew's. I'm saluting right now. It means... It doesn't. It means more than just having to go back and redo this dungeon. It means uh, having to go back, do the Durandal side quests, get Cycle Pocket, and then redo. Well, all it's this just content. one side quest. It's just a very time-consuming one because you're going between zones a lot. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm also going to point out to you, just so you're not blindsided by this, doing the Orgula farming requires you to grind a pretty obscene amount so you can last in that battle okay. long enough to swap forms over and over. At the end of this dungeon, I'm level 28. What? Just to tell you, you need to be 40. <laughs> yeah, but like, Orgula's not right now. I am extremely overleveled right I'm now. I'm pretty like sure God. she's the end of the next dungeon. Junior has mm. 900 HP at the end of this dungeon for me. I, I ended this dungeon at like 22-23. Yeah, I think that's where mm-hmm. I was. Yeah, same. Oof. Just saying, you are in for a very uphill battle to do that strategy without cheats. Yeah. Look, I love Captain Matthews. <laughs> I, I okay. do too. I do too. I get it, but uh, I don't love him that much. <laughs> wow. I got um, a game shark. <laughs> <laughs> I could theoretically, I could do that. But once I do that, the seal is broken. Yeah. Um, Just give yourself 99 awakenings. That's it. (laughs) Matt, do you want to get us back? Yeah, yeah. uh, Y'all, we haven't even hit the first boss yet. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this first boss sucks. Yeah. So in a cutscene, after fighting a few of these URTVs that have been uh, transformed, one of them turns into a heartless <laughs> or like one like a heartless like like breaks out of its back like it like it sheds it like it's a fucking cicada <laughs> yeah, like a heartless does <laughs> yeah. look i don't play kingdom hearts i don't know what that is wow and uh this is the boss level four all right i just i need to jump in extremely quickly because i had previously talked about how cool some of the animations are in the cutscenes, even if they're not very good at, like, facial stuff. Uh, some of the battle animations are really cool. This one kind of sucks, because <laughs> it, like, they rely on a bunch of reused... I'm trying so hard to close my eyes and not look at the notes right now because of all the shit that's happening. So it, they they reuse a bunch of the same animations, but just give you eight camera angles yeah. of the same weird body horror staggering shit with a bunch of really lame motion blur. And I was just like, God, I cannot believe that I talked about how cool some of the animation cutscenes yeah. are in the opening of this game after this. Well, because the opening might as well be a completely different fucking game. 
I did watch this cutscene and I was like, whoa, that's radical in like a ironic way. (laughs) This is sub like Tails shit right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. This team thinks it's doing the wild body horror CG from Parasite Eve. And what it's really coming off like is more um, Mars War Diaries. Uh-huh. Someone will get that. This is worse than that movie about what if the army had to shoot ghosts I watched. Oh, you mean, you the mean Final within? Fantasy The Spirits <laughs> yeah, Within? That was what I was thinking. <laughs> no, I think it's called Spectre. It's like a Netflix jam. Okay, well, that's also Final Fantasy yeah. The Spirits Within. Yeah, very okay, much. It, okay, it is that, sure. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> Spiritual Does yours have Steve Buscemi? Because I think we know which one's better. Yeah. Spirits Within is all right. It has a digital actress. Yeah, no, that's my point. It has Buscemi. I might watch that again. <laughs> Bonus content? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> um, let's talk about the spots. Yeah. So the notes uh, are saying to tighten up the graphics on this guy <laughs> to succeed, and I don't have any idea what that means. I think that's mm-hmm. funny, but also it's on level three. I know. <laughs> I know. I knew someone was going to get the I joke, only though. got it after <laughs> you explained it. Uh, which is the sign of a good joke, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> if if anyone does not know, and just so Matt can find this later if he wishes to splice it in, there is a terrible ad for a fly-by-night game school, and it's two kids screwing around badly with controllers, and Bob walks in and he's like, how are you guys doing? Well, we just got to tighten up the graphics on level three in here, and then we're good. And it got played so many times. It is like that Sears AC commercial level of burned into my yeah. brain. Is this, like, mm-hmm. on TV, yeah. or, like, where on, are you seeing these Yeah, ads? It was on G4 a lot. This was in the 2000s. Oh, yeah. oh, I did not watch G4, and I don't have cable, so. <laughs> it, was on sci-fi. it was on sci-fi also. Yeah, they targeted every yeah. network that had a male demographic. A bunch of loser white guys, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I saw it during wrestling. Yeah, loser uh, white anyway. guys. <laughs> I was at the time. I will not be mad. Uh, so this can be an incredibly nasty fight if you try to turtle it, because level four will begin boosting its stats over the over time after it uses an attack called Central Dogma Repair Program. And it can also heal itself. And it's usually when it heals itself, it heals itself like 25%, so not an insignificant amount. And when it hits its maximum potential, it starts using unlimited program to give itself more agility and plus five to its attack and defense stats. So do not fuck around with this <laughs> with this boss if you can. And uh, to make it worse, it can summon and devour infected URTVs for a recovery of 240 HP at any time. And it can combo boost itself for like really rough chains of attacks. So... This could, you could have a bad time here. I didn't have a bad time, but apparently you can. Oh, yeah. I absolutely annihilated this guy. Uh, <laughs> the trick to this boss is to pick two slash dealers, one of whom can, can deal, uh, do CC attacks, and a third person who can cast buffs like Thunder Sword. You set everyone up for max stocks and boost, you hit them with the Thunder Swords, and uh, once it does, the trick you do is you CC BB it into the break status, launch it into the air for bonus damage, and then just fucking unload. It's weak to Slash and Thunder, so if you put someone behind it in a pincer attack, it can multiply even further. It just definitely one-shotted this guy very easily. To be fair, you just described the strategy for all boss battles that I've encountered so far in this game. 
So like the only difference mm-hmm. there was like you changed some letters. So like I didn't remember this guy at all. Uh, I had to look up a video about him, which is why I watched the cutscene. You know what really sucks is that when you have memory, it doesn't put down the zones until you get them all in a row. It doesn't like mastermind it for you where it says dash B if you missed the first one, but got B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could that would be very helpful yeah. for bosses that maybe have like, I don't know, five zones you need to hit. <laughs> yeah, you have to plan <laughs> it. yeah, no, this was a fight where, you know, I had Momo on the other side of the battle. And then once he got knocked up in the air, Momo was doing like 700 plus damage a hit for like four hits in a row. I think I need to replace chaos with Momo because chaos can't do anything to guys that are in the air and it sucks. So Momo is the single most broken person in this game. Momo is yeah. really good. Yeah. Because yeah. like Ghostbusters Jr. are excellent, but uh, chaos can't do anything once they go into the air and dudes yeah. on the ground do not take as much damage. Chaos mm-hmm. is definitely the most useless character. It's a bummer because I like him. Well, Chaos is like good against the uh, infected URTVs because of his uh, aura yeah. element yeah. attack, but like you're not going to swap him in because he's so weak. Yeah, he's an aura element person who can't use B it or like long distance attacks, C attacks. I mean, I gave him all the magic, but that sucks because you can't really like take advantage of stock if a guy's in the air. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Anything else on the boss, anyone? No. It's kind of a nothing boss. Yeah. Hi, all. This recording ran a little bit long, so we are splitting this episode in half to give you the proper Encephalon dive experience where we start over and do the whole thing again. For plugs, Michael wants you to go to urbandebate.org to support your local Urban Debate League. You can listen to Chris, Sybil, and me on Bocono Stop Free, where we are talking about Monster and Chris, John, and me on Bocono Stop Premium for patrons only, where we are talking about G Gundam. For Sybil's other projects, you can go to hellscaper.com and check out all of her projects through there. You can listen to Ryan's music projects, first one being Canon and Devarin at canondevarin.bandcamp.com. And you can also listen to their solo work, which is at soundcloud.com forward slash catastrophizer. Thank you, and we will see you next time. <laughs>